Welcome to a night depot. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. Man, I declare in the name of Jesus that this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceedingly glad in it. I'm so glad you took the time out to join us, man. We're going to have a good time in the Word of God. So I'm going to tell you right now, go ahead and buckle up, buttercup, because here we go in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to make this declaration, and then we're going to make our confession together, and then we're going to jump right into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. I make this declaration in accordance with Isaiah 61 and 1, which says this, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and open up the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. To, to appoint unto them morning Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father in heaven, we give you glory, we give you honor and praise. We thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but Father, let it be in demonstration of the spirit and power, that the faith of the people lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, I covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Father, I'm believing people will be healed, set free, delivered, made whole as a result of the word that will go forth tonight. I pray, Father God, that burdens will be removed, yokes will be destroyed, chains will be broken off today. People will be healed in their bodies, in their minds, in their relationships, in their homes. Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I give you glory and I give you honor and I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and glory to God. Now lift your Bible up with me. Lift your Bible up right now and make this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. The Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is the truth. It tells me how I should think. It tells me what I should believe. And it tells me how I should walk. The word of God is the most important thing in life. Say that with me. The word of God is the most important thing thing in life. And man, we're going to talk about that from the very beginning because last week we was talking, we finished, we was talking about counting the calls. Well, are you willing to count the calls in this series known as Locked and Loaded and how we, we discussed last week that wisdom, godly wisdom is the chief most important thing that you could ever ask for in life. Now, in the very beginning, this is what God said. He said, start us off at the very beginning, and this is how we're going to start. See, this is the thing. Everything in life is a choice. God never forces you to do anything. He gives you the right. He gives you the privilege to make your own decision. Whether you're ever going to follow him or not is not something he will make you do. Now, he will give you all kind of reasons to want to follow him. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the choice is yours. If you make a decision to follow him, man, you get everything that's in his hand. If you make a decision you're not going to follow him, you get exactly what it is you made a decision to receive. It's that simple. 
See, this is the thing about it. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse number 15, people said it couldn't be that simple. Man, God makes you do this and he'll make you do that. God makes you do nothing. He doesn't make you do anything. In fact, the choice is yours. The choice is always yours. The choice is always yours. Prove it, you say. Okay, no worries. Let me share with this with you. Deuteronomy 15, as you were, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, and it reads as follows. It says, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to, to possess it. He says, hey, I'm setting before you. These are two options before you. You have life and, and, and prosperity, or you can choose the deaths, death and uh, adversity. Now, what's the difference? You have, and we're going to talk about this later on, you have the spirit of law, uh, a spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's God's way of doing things. But you also have the law of sin and death. And this is found in Romans chapter eight, verse two. The thing about it is, is those two laws are in operation at all times. And the thing about a law is it works every single time. Even if you don't believe the law is at work, it's at work. It's kind of like gravity. And uh, with gravity, gravity is always, the law of gravity is always at work. Now you said, well, there is, there's got to be something that supersedes the law of gravity. There is something that supersedes the law of gravity. It is called the law of lift. You see that with airplanes, you know, there's the certain speeds and certain angles and certain designs of the wings. And when you have all those factors in place and you're used, operating according to all those factors, you will create a new law, which is known as the law of lift that will supersede the law of gravity. And as long as you're operating according to the laws of lift with every factor, there's nothing that falls off. The engine speed doesn't drop. The wings doesn't change. The speed doesn't change. None of that changes. You will exceed the law of gravity. But let me tell you something. The moment you stop operating according to the law of lift, you will quickly be reminded that the law of gravity never went away because the moment you stop operating according to the law of lift, you will find out that the law of gravity is still in place. And what will the law of gravity do? It will begin to pull you back down. It's not even the fact it's going to pull you down. It, you will begin to fall down because now you have, are operating according to a law that's less than the law of lift. It's the exact same way when you're talking about the things of God. God is saying to you right here, man, I am presenting to you a law that supersedes the law of sin and death. And it's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But you have to make a decision to receive it. You have to make a choice to believe it. And you have to make a choice to operate in it on a consistent basis. It goes on to say this. He says, I've said before you life and prosperity, death and adversity, in that I command you today, 
What, what are the factors to operate according to the higher law? That you love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and, 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 and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess. He says, these are the things that you will need to be able to operate in a law that supersedes the law of sin and death. He says, but... If your heart turns away, if you make a decision, I don't want to do that. He says, but if you make the if you turn away, it never said God turned away from you. It says, if you make a decision to turn, go a different direction, he says, you turn your heart away and will not obey. He says, but you are drawn away and worship other gods or worship other things or worship other ideologies or you submit yourself to other ways of doing things other than following the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He says to serve he says, I declare to you that you shall surely perish or you shall surely fall away or you shall experience exactly what that law brings, which is, is a death cycle. Not only not uh, uh, simply physical, but it's all spiritual separation for you. He says, and he goes on. He says, and you will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing over into and to possess it. He says. So I say to you again. He says, I've set before you the law, the uh, the choice, life and prosperity, death and uh, and adversity. He says, but. He says this again. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. He says, but the choice is yours. You have life. You have death. He says the blessing and the curse didn't say God was going to curse you. He says the blessing and the curse. He says, so choose. He says, so choose life in order that you may live and your descendants. It's not God's desire that any should be lost, but all should come into the knowledge of the truth. So from the very beginning, as we're picking up from where we left off last week about counting the cost and how wisdom is the most important thing, the principal thing, the chief most uh, most above, important thing above all things. See, we was talking about last week how he's, he's setting before you. He says, no one can make this decision for you but you. No one can, no one can, can make, uh, make your choice for you. I can't make your choice for you. Your mama, your daddy, your grandmother, your, your pastor, your friends, your loved ones can make that choice for you. The only one who can make that choice for you is you. But no, it is God's will. It's his desire for you to live life in abundance to the full until it overflows. But you have an adversary out there named Satan, and he wants to steal your identity. He wants to kill your purpose. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to take from you the very life that God has already made available to you. But he says, but God says, but I'm sending my son, Jesus. I sent my son, Jesus, so that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows to the point where, hey, he was willing to lay down his life to make sure you got the life. You had a right to receive the God kind of life, the blessed life, the prosperous life. Now, prosperity is not just money. Money's included, but money is the, is the lowest form of prosperity. 
spiritual prosperity, soul, mind, will, and emotional prosperity, physical prosperity, relationship prosperity, family prosperity, uh, uh, prosperous on your job, prosperous in your community, prosperous in your home. In other words, you're always increasing and abounding and growing and, and you have peace. You have joy. You, you have laughter in your home. Those are things that money can't buy, but it's all included in that life that Jesus came to live you, the abundant life. See that God's intent was that you would return back to the life the way it was before Adam and Eve bowed their knee, where you, that you would operate in authority, that you would rule, that you would that you would be fruitful, always producing, that you would be multiplying, always increasing, that you would be replenishing, always filling and refilling. But He also wanted you to be able to subdue your your environment, to have control and authority over the situations and circumstances that you face on a day to day. Basis in accordance to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. It is God's desire for you to rule, reign, and dominate according to the kingdom of God. But the thing about it is you have two types of wisdom. You have godly wisdom and then you have the world's wisdom. See, the thing about it is you cannot solve a problem at the same level to which you, the problem was created. So if the, uh, the problem was created based off of what you know according to this world's way of doing things, and you're trying to solve the problem according to what you know according to this world's way of doing things, you've already capped how far it is that you can go. But God is so awesome that he made wisdom. He gave you wisdom. And we're going to talk about that tonight as we continue to talk about, you know, we, you count, you made a decision to count the cost. And now we're going to talk about it's time to put the work in. It's time to put the work in. You know, the thing about it is nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You got to sow something. You got to be willing to give something. You might, you got to put in the time. You got to put in some effort in order for you to grow in the things of God. Now, we found out last week, according to Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7, it talks about this. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version, Classic Version. It says this, the beginning of wisdom is to get wisdom, skillful and God, not just wisdom, but get skillful and godly wisdom. For skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. And with all you have gotten, get understanding or get discernment, a comprehension and interpretation. We talked about this last week, how the first thing you got, you know, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the right use and exercise of knowledge. So you're not, a lot of people believe, man, I got all this knowledge, so I got wisdom. No, you have knowledge. You have a lot of information. Uh, and, and though that you, you know in part, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know in part, you know, in part, when you, even the things you think you know, you only know part of it. You may not know all of it, but he's saying this. He says, when you get knowledge, then the next thing you want to get is understanding. What is understanding? Understanding is discernment or comprehension or interpretation. So even when you're reading the word of God, man, when you get ready to read the Bible, you got to open, you got to open up the Bible. Like, you know what, God, I'm asking you for understanding. I'm asking you for comprehension. I'm asking you to help me to interpret what it is that your word is saying. 
and then what comes after you get the knowledge because the first thing you got to do you got to get the knowledge the second thing you got to do is you got to spend time studying it and meditating on it and, and thinking about it and muttering it saying it over and over again to yourself till you get the second part which is comprehension or comprehensive insight and then the third thing the third thing which we're talking about right now is the wisdom is the right use and exercise of the knowledge now you got the knowledge you get received comprehension and some understanding and now god is going to show you how to the right use and exercise of the knowledge that you have and he said and this is this godly wisdom this godly wisdom here is the principal chief highest in rank uh uh respectively the most important thing godly wisdom is the most important thing you can have all kind of things according to this world system and not have godly wisdom guess what is going to profit you absolutely nothing you will get some results but if you want to live the god kind of life a life in abundance to the full and to the overflows you have to get his wisdom and his wisdom will always supersede this world's wisdom in fact it was the godly wisdom is so important that even solomon who who we know from reading the word it was the wisest man who ever lived he was the wisest man who ever lived and when god asked him in first uh, kings chapter 3 verse 5 god asked him Hey, Solomon, you made this great sacrifice to me. You made this great offering for me. He says, ask what you shall and I will give it. He says, whatever you ask me, I will give it to you. Now, we talked about this. How Man, most people say, man, I can ask whatever I want. Man, give me a, a billion dollars, a zillion, trillion dollars, so I never have to work again. Give me, give me a house in every province, and give me a nice car. Give me my own gas station. Make it where I never have to work another day in my life. Most people would ask for that, but that's not what Solomon asked for. Why do you think he didn't ask for that? Because you could have all those things and not have godly wisdom on what to do with them and you will be broke within the first set of the ten commandments within a short amount of time did you know that most people who win the lotto win the lottery are broke within five years of winning all that money why are they broke because most of them had a poverty mentality they got something for nothing they put in a couple bucks they, they did they did chance and they won a big prize but their way of thinking never changed so if you have a poverty mentality before you get rich you will still operate according to a poverty mentality after you get rich you know how i say it like this a fool and his money are soon parted if he is not he or she has not renewed their mind by the word of god on what to do with money they will be broke uh, not long after they get the money that they have now what did solomon do god asked it gave him a blank check whatever you ask i'll give it to you solomon's response was this he says this he says i have all these great people he says so he says well this is what i'm going to ask you he says he says your servant and under uh, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? 
and, and, and he says, in other words, God, give me a wise and understanding heart that I may lead so great your people. And, what, and God was so impressed by what it is that he said. This is what God said. God's response to that was like, he says, the, it pleased God. And Solomon asked this thing. And this is what God says. Because you asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor asked riches for yourself, nor asked for the death of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given a wise and understanding heart so that you may, so that there um, has not, that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall there be like you afterwards. He gave him exactly what he asked for, a wise and understanding heart so that he could discern Solomon can discern between good and evil so that he could know how to uh, lead the people that God gave him charge. In other words, he says, I'm not going to ask for anything that's going to be simply benefit me. I'm going to ask for something that's going to help me to lead and to God and lead me on how to take great care of your people, how to have a, a, a heart or understanding to discern between good and evil so I can lead the, these people. So I know what is right. I'll know what's to, what to do in the situation the same way that you would have it to be done. Now, we asked this question last week. What are, would you give? What would you be willing to give in order to live the God kind of life? What would you be willing to do in order to live the life that God has already made available to you? We talked about this in Mark chapter uh, 8, and uh, we was talking about in 34, how Jesus had, had called the people who were with him, to, uh, with his disciples, and he said, Whoever desires to come after me, Jesus said, whoever desires to follow after me, let him or her deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save their or hold on to their old life and, and neglect this new life, they will lose it. Or whoever is willing to let hope let go of their old life and hold on to this new life they for their, his sake and for the gospel, they will save it. He says, for what? Would it profit you? And this is what I'm going to ask you. What would it profit you if, if, if you what would it profit you if you gained everything in this world and you lost your soul in the process? What would it gain you to gain all the money, all the houses, all the cars, all the stock, all the gold and all that in this world's in this world, which is a short period of time, but you lost your your uh your uh, relationship with god in the pro if you lost and you sacrificed your relationship with god in the process what did you really gain you know something i found out in uh, 2008 and they had the big you know recession in the in the states and what ended up happening is people who had stocks that was worth millions of dollars within one day lost half of the value of those stocks in one day not because they made a bad decision, not because they did something wrong, but because 
the the factors that cause that stock to be so high one day change and that that value of that stock that was uh, over a million dollars the day before dropped down to half and in some cases a quarter of what it was before so you went from a million dollars to five hundred thousand and in some cases two hundred and fifty thousand overnight and people lost their mind and in some cases people lost their life because the, it, the, it, the, it, it bothered them so much that they took their life because they could not deal with the fact that they did not have all that money because their confidence, their trust, their dependency was in what they had, not who they had. See, when he's at, Jesus asked, he didn't say anything was wrong with money. He didn't say anything was wrong with wealth. He didn't say anything was wrong with riches or cars or anything like that. He didn't say that. He says, he says, what would it profit you to gain everything of this world and lose the relationship that you would have with him or, or sacrifice a relationship that you would have it with him? He says, what would you give in exchange? What would you be willing to give in exchange to have a relationship with him? What would you be willing to give in exchange to have a life in abundance to the full until it overflows? So you got to understand, Jesus has already paid it all for you. He's already paid it all for me. He's already paid it all for the world. And the sad part about it is, is even though he's already came, he sacrificed his life on the cross. He went to hell for three days, was resurrected, put his blood on the mercy seat, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and has restored the kingdom of God back into the earth so many people are living far below the life which he came to give because they're holding on to the temporary and sacrificing the eternal they're holding on to everything that they can feel and see and touch they're living by their five physical senses and he says but i have something so much more in store for those who are willing to put in the work and count the cost. So we find this out in Isaiah 53 and, and, and 4 and 5, which says it this way in the Amplified Version, talking about how Jesus has already paid it all. He, he, see, he bore our griefs, our sicknesses, and our weaknesses, and our distresses, and he carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement, the need to obtain peace, well-being for us was upon him. He paid it all. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. He took the, he took up he took upon himself our stresses. He took upon himself our pain. He took upon us the diseases. He took upon himself the the the, the sentence that was supposed to come to you. It was supposed to come to me. What was supposed to come to the whole world? He says, "I'll I'll pay the price for you." He says, "Because I see you as being so much more valuable than all the other things." that you could even think of.
He knew he saw that you was worth it. He believed that you was worth it. So he was willing to lay his life down that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. He came to give you life. And he says this, he says, but are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to put in the time? Are you willing to put in the energy? Are you willing to put in the effort so that you may understand how to operate in this new way of life? He says, are you willing to put in the time to be able to understand how does the kingdom of God operate? What is the kingdom of God? Kingdom simply means a king's influence on a territory, a king's influence on a people, a king's influence on on a nation are you willing to put in the are you willing to put in the time are you willing to put in the work because are you willing to count the cost because he's already paid his portion he's asking you will you receive what it is he gave you and then you put in the work so you can live the the, the god kind of life the blessed life an abundant life in abundance to the full until it overflows. Now, we was talking about this early. So many people, in accordance to, to, uh, to John chapter 3, verse 17, so many people have this misconception that even when God is beginning to deal with you, that he's going to condemn you and that he's going to judge you. And, but you could not be any further from the truth. In fact, he said it in, in, in the gospel of John uh, ch chapter 3, verse 17, he says this. He says, God did not sin his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but that through his son, Jesus, the world might be saved. That word save is healed, set free, delivered, and made whole. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world that through him, the world might be healed, set free, delivered, and made whole. In fact, he says this, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment for those who are in Christ. He's not judging you. He's not condemning you. He does not condemn. The Holy Spirit will convince you. He may convict you. Convicting and condemning is two totally different things. Convicting simply means, hey, there's a better way to do what it is that you're doing. He says, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Condemning says, you're no good. You're bad. You're never going to be good. You might as well quit and give up. God never condemns. He says here, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He goes, he's, he, go, he says, um, this is what we talked about at the very beginning for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death is operating in the earth still today. But whether you are, whether you are subject to that law or not is, is dependent on whether you make a decision on which law you're going to operate according to. Remember we talked about the law of lift and the law of gravity. The law of lift is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of gravity is the law of sin and death. It's always in place. But when you operate according to the word of God, when you begin to operate according to the kingdom of God, when you understand who you are, 
that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Oh, all things have become new. Then when you begin to learn and put in the work and begin to have your mind renewed by the word of God, then you realize that there is a law that supersedes the law of sin and death. And that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You said, go ahead and prove that to me. Oh, no problem. I can do that. Turn with me over to John. First John chapter three. First John chapter three talking about there is therefore now no condemnation first john chapter three verse 18 and this is the part where we're about to wrap it up see in first john chapter three verse 18 i'm reading out of the passion translation it says this it says beloved beloved children our love can't be abstract an abstract theory we only that we where we only talk about love but love, the God kind of love, is a way of life that's demonstrated through our loving deeds. Let's go on. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which we will reassure, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. Whenever our hearts uh, make us feel guilty, Listen to this part. Whenever our hearts didn't say he did, whenever our hearts didn't say God did, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. In other words, it says, even though our hearts may try to make us feel uh, uh, guilty and tries to remind us of all of our failures, we know in accordance to 1 John 1 and 9 that if, if we we have acknowledged our sin, acknowledged the fact that we've missed it, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness and treat us as if we never missed it in the first place. So God is not the condemner. Turn to somebody and say, God is not the condemner. God does not try to make you feel guilty, and God does not try to remind you of your failures. He doesn't do it. Let's continue to go on. He says this. He says, he says, my delightful loved friends, he says this, when our hearts don't condemn us, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Remember when Adam and Eve, before they bowed their knee to Satan, before they rebelled against God, before they sinned and broke his commandment, they used to come and they used to walk in the garden with him daily, walking and talking in the garden, communing with him. But the moment that they bowed their knee, the moment that they sinned against God, the moment that they, that they violated his command, what happened? The they transitioned from the kingdom of God and they transitioned into the kingdom of darkness. And what was the first thing that came on them? Guilt, condemnation and fear. But it says this right here. If our own conscience, if our own hearts does not make does not condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. And whatever we asked him, we receive because we keep his commandments. Don't y'all see? Spirit of law, the life, uh, spirit of law uh, of Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death, going all the way back to the very beginning. Choose life or you can choose death. 
Let's continue. Glory to God. He says this, because we keep his commandment and by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to him. So these are his commands. This is the bottom line that we continually place our trust in the name of his son, Jesus, and that we keep loving one another just as he loved us. Think about that. He says, I'm going I'm to make it so simple. I'm going to make it so easy that a child can do it. He says, I'm going to tell you these two things, these two commands that you must do. He says, number one, you must continually place your trust in the name of his son. And his son's name is Jesus Christ. And number two, that we keep loving one another just as he, Jesus loved us. If you keep your faith in the name of Jesus and you keep loving one another, you have kept his command. So what do you got to do? You got to make a decision to put in the work. You got to make a decision that I'm going to put in the work. What does that look like? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, and this is where we're going to stop. Ephesians chapter 21 verse 24 says that verse 21 says this if indeed you have heard him talking about Jesus and have been taught by him still talking about Jesus as the truth is in Jesus that you put off you are the one who puts off concerning your former conduct or your former way of acting or your former way of talking or your former way of living he says put off take off take off that old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And what do you do? You take off that old, and then what happens? Then you begin to put on the new. How you got to put on, take off the old to put on the new. You got to take off the old and put on the new. How do you put on the new? By re being renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which is created according to God, and true righteousness and holiness. What does all that mean? Man, you had an old way you used to think. You had an old way you used to respond. You had an old way you used to feel. So we talked about it about your soul. Your spirit man is brand new if you're already in Christ, but your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion, still has to be renewed. And how do you renew your mind? How do you renew the, your way of thinking? But you renew your way of thinking by renewing your mind according to the word of God. You're taking off that old way of thinking and you're putting on that new way of thinking. And you do that by renewing your mind that you may put on the old man, which is created in God in righteousness and in true holiness. Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to say, man, today I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to lay down that old. I'm going to take off that old. I'm going to operate according to a higher law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which makes me free from the law of sin and death. I'm choosing life, not only today, but every day. I'm choosing life, God's way of doing things. I'm choosing life in what I say. I'm choosing life in what I do. I choose life in where I go. Will you make a decision to choose life? today. How do you do that? You ask, how do I go about doing it? Well, if you've never been born again, if you never received Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that's step one. And we can help you with that right now 
in the name of Jesus. But according to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says this. The word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So pray this prayer with me. Say, say it out of your mouth, mean it from your heart, and you'll get right back in right standing. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in the grave, but now he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord, and I receive your offer of forgiveness. Right now, I'm born again. Right now, I'm in right relationship. And right now, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, glory to God. If you, you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you into right standing. So, man, what do you do next? Now that you're born again, what do you do next? You got to get in a word-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also teaches you about the kingdom of God and the love of God. We know that Ignite Depot is such a place. So if you want to join us here every week at 6 p.m. online here every week, 6 p.m., we'll talk about the practical and relevant ways on how to not only uh, live life, but live life in abundance to the full until it overflows according to the kingdom of God and by the love of God. Now, if you missed this broadcast, man, catch it again on Thursday night, Thursday at 6 p.m., we will be uh, do, going over to have rebroadcasting the same message and, and so that you could, hey, even if you hear it on Saturday, man, check it out again on Thursday. In other words, you want to, the way that you begin to renew your mind is by you got to hear and then hear because in accordance to Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you hear it, the more your faith will grow in the things of God. And hey, if you're riding in your car or you're at work or you're working out and you want to listen to some good word, man, check out our podcast at Ignite to Life uh, podcast, Ignite to Life uh, podcast. It's on Apple. It's on Google. It's on Amazon. It's on uh, Outcast. It's, on, it's across a multiple uh, platforms, man. Check it out. You'll hear this message and all other messages that we've done before. And I want you to remember this on behalf of Pastor Juin and the entire Night Nation. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And remember, when you count the cost and you put in the word, then you will be able to live life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.